0: Yes, Lord, that's our prayer, that you would have your way in us this morning. And we're so grateful to you for everything. We're grateful to you for the lovely sunshine after the rain. We're grateful to you for every breath that we take, for every step that we can take. You've given us so much, Lord, and we thank you. And we thank you that we can be here now this morning. And we thank you that you're here with us too. Amen. Please sit down. If I can just add my welcome. and say it's really great to have so many of you here. My name's Lindsay. If you don't know, I'm also one of the team. Um, and it's great to welcome you and um, we have these events regularly and if you're a friend and um, you've had a nice time then do ask the person that you've come with and um, I'm sure she'll invite you next time Um, because as I say we have these events regularly and it's just a lot of fun it's just nice to be together I think there's something very special isn't there when women get together we can somehow kind of be free to be ourselves and it just feels a bit different so welcome and um i'm going to invite val to come and join me because val is really partly why we're all here and um val um doesn't really need much introducing does she because she's very much part of our church here our family and um she's been here nearly as long as we have i think she and barry and the family um and she's very much loved by all of us isn't she and um by lots of others as well because she's brought a whole group of friends and family and people supporters with her this morning which is really nice you're all very welcome and um we were just horrified weren't we when val was kind of so ill um and we all gathered and we prayed, didn't we? But, you know, she, she did it amazingly and uh, just with her head held high. And I think she was just an example to all of us in the way that she just carried herself through um, that horrible illness. And um, as, as, as typical Val would, wouldn't she? Because she does everything really beautifully. So, um, Val, we're really, really glad that you're willing to be here and share with us this morning. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing what you've got to say. But I'm going to pray for you now. So just join me, will you, as we pray for Val. Lord, we thank you for our friend Val. And um, we thank you that she's willing to stand here now and to share her story. And we pray, Lord, that you would just anoint her and enable her. Give her confidence. Give her your peace. And let her know that she's amongst friends and um, that we're all really looking forward to what she has to say. And we pray, Lord, that as she speaks, you'll give us ears to hear and that um, we'll be blessed by what she says and that she'll be blessed too. And we pray in your name, Lord. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning, ladies. I'd like to thank each individual person here that's come. Your great encouragement. And a warm welcome to those that are listening on the recording. Wow, we're already into the second month of 2014. And over the past couple of weeks, I've noticed how many adverts there are encouraging us to book our summer holidays. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but I love to plan and be prepared. My husband, Barry, who to be honest, is far more spontaneous than I am, has over the years discovered that once an event is written on the kitchen calendar, I can start to look forward to it. The planning and the excitement is all great for me. I'm a real list girl. I don't know if you are. You know, I won't ask you to put your hand up, but lists are great, aren't they? So when we go on holiday, my suitcase comes out at least a week before we go away because you have to choose those important clothes combinations and you've got to get the factor of the suntan cream right and, of course, the all-important book choice. Which books do you take? Which actually has been made easier by the purchase of a Kindle? Planning. In March 2012, I found myself in a position that no amount of planning could prepare me for. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And my response was What is God doing? I haven't got time for this, it's not on the calendar. Now, most of you here will have been affected by cancer. Maybe you've had it yourself, or you've lost a loved one. Perhaps you've walked the journey and supported somebody through cancer, their treatment. Or maybe you're going through it right now. And I just want to stand with you and acknowledge that each person's journey is very different. And we only deal with our situations in the way that we can deal with it, in our own personalities. But I really want to encourage you that God loves you and he knows every intimate detail you and actually God knows what you need in that situation much better than you know yourself and if you are going through a difficult time we are going to have a time of prayer and ministry and I'd love it if you could just come forward and allow God to speak into your life into your personal situation But today, I'm going to share my story. It's actually, for those of you who know me, it's not my story, it's our story. Because my husband, Barry, held me up and supported me every single day of my illness. And without him, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be standing up doing this talk. So, firstly, I'd like to talk about how God did prepare me, even when I didn't realize it. God prepares us and goes before us. And then move on to a plan and a purpose. God doesn't do things by accident, there is always a plan and a purpose. And then finally, speak about God is the giver of peace, God's peace. I'd like to take you back to July 2011, eight months before my diagnosis. And I was attending a New Wine seminar on the Holy Spirit. Now, for those of you who don't know, New Wine is a Christian conference that our church is massively involved in. And at the time, I was being greatly challenged by my beliefs and understanding of how the Holy Spirit worked in us, particularly how he worked in us in a physical way. To be honest, it freaked me out. And when the speaker said, Some of you are just dating the Holy Spirit and you should be married to him. I totally froze. And then he carried on saying, he wants total loyalty and commitment from you, not just a casual relationship. Ask yourself this question. Do you want to lead or be led by the Holy Spirit? Do you want to lead or be led by the Holy Spirit? Well, other than my relationship with God, my marriage is the most precious thing I have. And I do value relationships beyond most of the things. So to think I was having a casual relationship with God shook me to the core because that's how it felt. I left the seminar and I wandered off and found myself in the marketplace. And I was standing next to a stall that sold these beautiful rings. There were loads and loads of rings on the stall. I wanted to buy a ring. But the only ring that fitted my finger had little footprints on it. I didn't really want footprints on a ring, I just wanted a nice plain ring, but I bought it. And that evening in the service, I prayed, God, help me to have the courage to be married to your spirit. And all of a sudden, the right side of my body shook uncontrollably. God was starting to prepare me. The following month, we had a really lovely special holiday. It was our family in Lanzarote. And this is my family here. For those of you that don't know, Polly, would you like to put the picture up? Uh, My two sons, Andrew and Jack, my daughter, Hannah, and my husband, Barry. Now, none of these guys are good in a morning. None of them. So I love mornings. So unlike my family, I'd get up early and I'd do a jog along the coastline. Now, I'm no great runner, girls. But I'd take my worship music and I'd go for a bit of a jog. And one particular morning... I watched this most magnificent sunrise. The colors were unbelievable. Deep yellows and oranges. And the the reflection on the water below was so enticing, I actually found myself quite dangerously climbing down the, the, the cliffs to the water below. And there was this huge rock, and I love a challenge. So I climbed onto this huge rock, and sat and watched the waves splashing on this rock. It was as if there was only me and God in the world. I sensed his power and his awesomeness. And little did I know that this moment in time would be incredibly important to me. What is going on for you at the moment? What's happening in your life? God never wastes any of our experiences. God uses each and everything in our journey to become the person he wants you to be. Now, the second area of my talk is that God has a plan and a purpose. I wonder how you'd rate your patience levels. Mm, How patient a person would you say you are? What situations make you impatient? I looked up the meaning of patience, and this is what it said the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems, suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Okay, I'm going to ask you to turn to the person next to you and ask them on a scale of 1 to 10, how patient a person would they say they were? One being, very patient, super duper patient, and 10 being completely impatient in all circumstances. And also, ask them, have they ever found themselves in a position where they've had to wait for something difficult? Two minutes, ladies. Off you go. Okay, if I can just call you back again. I wonder if you had a few surprises or if you learned a lot about the person sitting next to you. Well, patience, waiting. I think the hardest part of any illness is the diagnosis time. It's the most stressful. You have lots of nervous, Exhaustion. And you can at times feel very overwhelmed. And that was true for me. But God is good. And God provided two very important things for us. Firstly, the first thing was God provided people. People. Many of you, I look around and I see your faces. You were the guys that supported us. Being supported by family and friends who prayed for us, sent encouraging texts, made meals. My sister who came every week and cleaned my house. We valued and appreciated every expression of love. And I learnt at this time, that even a smile across the room can lift your day. Even somebody in the street that gives you a smile can lift your day. Ladies, smile. You don't know what people are going through. And the second thing was that God gave Barry a word And the word was remove. And I felt God say, you need to glorify me, whatever the outcome. that was tough. How am I gonna do that, God? Give me a purpose. For me, God knew I needed a purpose. So he gave me a new job description. And my job description was to share God's love with all the different people that I would meet in the NHS system. Now, if you work in the NHS system, you will know that's a huge scope. That's a huge challenge. But for me, God knew I needed something to enable me to become more patient. Now... These things always sound a lot easier after the event than at the time. And trust me, we had a saying in our house, one day at a time, and on a bad day, one hour at a time. One morning, I was walking to work, and I completely panicked, and fear just gripped me. And I couldn't face the day. And I was on the verge of turning around to go home when I felt God say, look up. And I looked up and I was standing underneath this most magnificent pink lilac tree. It was absolutely covered in blossom. You know that one day when the blossom seems to erupt before the wind and the rain comes and it was perfect and it reminded me that God's perfect and it was like he was handing me the most brilliant bunch of flowers and it was just enough for me to carry on walking to work next time you're struggling with a day look up because you might see something beautiful, and it might be just enough to get through the day. So after extensive tests and a challenging waiting time, we were very thankful to find out that the cancer, although it was a very aggressive type of cancer, was only in my right breast, my right side. I smiled. That's why God made me shake on my right side. I often wondered why he only did that on one side of my body. But it was so reassuring for me to know that God knew I had cancer before I did. And it it was agreed that I would have my breast totally removed, which was the word Barry got, and that I would have a reconstruction taken from my tummy and a breast reduction on my left, all in one big operation that would last eight hours. When difficulties strike, however big or small for you, how quickly do you pray? How quickly do you turn to God in prayer? Sometimes it's really hard to just tell our friends troubles, let alone God. But I think God's love language is quality time. I think he so desires us to bring everything to him. I remember one Sunday being in church and really believing that that night God was gonna miraculously heal me. Now this was a radical move for me, but one that I knew God was patiently waiting for me to take a step of faith and trust. And as I went forward, the person who met me recited footprints in the sand. My precious child, I love you. I will never leave you during your times of trials and suffering when you see only one set of footprints. It was then that I carried you. And during that prayer, I started fiddling with the ring on my finger. And I suddenly realized I had footprints on my ring. And I knew that God was going to be with me in a special way. But I would suffer and I would need to be carried. And I wasn't going to get miraculously healed that night. And I never again asked for a miraculous healing in that way. Now God can and does miraculously heal, but it doesn't always happen when we ask him straight away. However difficult your circumstances are, or when you face a difficult day, remember, God loves to hear you pray. Now there was a time when I thought God had dropped me. Yeah. It was when I found out how long I would have to wait for my operation. A hundred and four days from diagnosis to being operated on. And I remember one afternoon screaming at God: "Why are you making me wait? The cancer will be all over my body by the time I get on the operating theater." But God never makes mistakes, and I had a lot to learn. Trusting that the cancer would stay contained was an important prayer, and many of you guys prayed that over us. And even more so when my consultancy team phoned me up and said, Mrs. Denham, it's too risky to wait, you've got to come straight in and start chemotherapy. Barry and I prayed. And we decided to go against their advice. And we decided to keep waiting and trusting. What God does with you when you have to wait for something is as important as what you're waiting for. And when after the operation, I spoke to my surgeon and he told me that the cancer was as close as Northfield Station. I love the way he did this, because it's so visual for me. Northfield Station to Acton Town, at getting into my gland system. I knew our prayers had been answered, and that was my miracle. Are you waiting for something? Are you desiring something in your life? Maybe you're not happy at work, or you're having money difficulties. Are you struggling at school? Or maybe with a relationship? Maybe life's fine at the moment for you, but maybe there will be challenging times ahead. I'd like you to listen to this song. It was a friend from this church that shared this song with me, and she too was in the waiting place. And the words are incredibly powerful. Thanks, Polly. Well, waiting comes to an end. And the operation was done. It was a success. But while I was in hospital, I found it really difficult to sleep. I couldn't read or listen to music. I couldn't even pray. All I could do was close my eyes and put myself back on that rock in Lanzarote and watch that most magnificent sunset, sunrise. And I remember feeling I'm safe and I'm secure. I remember one particular morning, a wonderful nurse helped me into the shower. Now, when you've been in bed for a couple of days, you really appreciate a shower, and it was more like a wet room than a shower. It had kind of a sink and a toilet, and uh, I wasn't very mobile, because I had drains and, and things coming out of me. And so the nurse got me in, and she sat me on the chair in the shower. And the water was so welcoming and refreshing. And then she left me. Suddenly, there was a loud banging on the door. And this nurse rushed in and she said, somebody needs to use the toilet. Is that okay? And I went, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, yeah, bring bring her in. I didn't even think about it. So in comes this lovely young Polish lady with throat cancer. Now, she had all drips and drains, and she needed help to sit on the toilet, so the nurse helped her to sit on the toilet, and then she left. Now, let me just remind you, I am stark naked, and looking straight at this lady sitting on the toilet. (laughs) Quite a picture. Do you know what? We spent the next 20 minutes sharing our stories in such an intimate way. (laughs) It was unbelievable. I often think of this lady because I'll never meet her again. But it was a really precious time for me. And actually, we were quite disappointed when the nurse came back in because we were having a great time. I think she'd forgotten us. And get... We've got us back into bed. You can share God's love with or without clothes on, girls. (laughs) Now, the next part of my healing was God's peace. Chemotherapy. Losing your hair is a very emotional experience. I think for us women, we find a lot of our identity in the way we look, in our hair, Mine started falling out gradually, but the final turning point came when I heard the kids making a guessing game of how many hairs of mums you'd find in your dinner. (laughs) I thought, something's got to be done. (laughs) So the next day I went into the garden and I shaved it off. Two of my closest friends came for the weekend and empowered me and helped me to be myself. And for me, that was to go bald. If any of you have had chemotherapy, you'll know it's not just a physical thing, but a mental thing. They call it chemo brain. Philippians 4, 6-9 was a crucial scripture for me, and Lynn is going to read it for us. Does she need this?
2: Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you.
1: Thanks, Lynn. So Paul is telling us here not to worry. And the antidote is peace, God's peace. And this is a kind of really debilitating worry. And as Christians, we often pray, don't we, for God's peace in our lives. But what is the character of God's peace? How do we get it? And how is it different from from the worldly peace? Well, for me, God's peace was an inner calm A contentment and a real sense of his protection. It was not the absence of bad thoughts, but the presence of something. I think people who uh, don't have a relationship with God, who are searching for peace, will tell you, stop thinking negative thoughts. Relax, go to the gym, chill out, go on holiday, reduce your hours at work, Distract yourself. Do not think. But for me, thinking was crucial. I had to think about things that were true and honourable, things that were right and lovely. Thinking about what I knew about God. What has he done in the past? What is he like? I had to remind myself that Jesus died so that you could spend eternity with him, that your future is absolutely secure in him. Being thankful was another thing. In verse six, it says, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. So often we pray, don't we? And then we wait and if God answers our prayers in the way that we expect, we've him and we say, thank you. But actually, it doesn't say that. It says, make your request to God. And while you're asking for something, thank him straight away before you get any of your results. So I would say, Lord, heal me. Take every bit of cancer out of my body but whatever your will is for me in my life, so be it. You see, when you love God, he's constantly working through everything for your ultimate good, even if you don't feel like that at the time. I want you to imagine that you are a follower of Jesus, that you're there the day he was being crucified. You're watching him on the cross. What are you thinking? I think I'd be thinking this is the worst thing to ever happen. God, what are you doing? I can't believe any good can come of this situation. But you're looking at the greatest thing that God has ever done for you and for the whole world. So do you truly believe that whatever your circumstances are right now, God is working for your good? Finally, to end, I just want to tell you one situation that happened to me where I felt God's peace in an unbelievable way. Halfway through chemo, We were delighted to have my eldest son, Andrew, home from university for the weekend, but less delighted when we realized he was sick. He'd come home for a bit of pampering. The unfortunate thing was that I got sick. And you're warned at the hospital that if your temperature gets beyond 37 degrees, you have to come in. Chemo nurses will understand. It it causes all kinds of complications. And my temperature was above 37 degrees. This was a really difficult time for Barry because he had to take on the responsibility of when and if we should go into the hospital. I desperately did not want to go. And I can be quite, Pickheaded when I want to be. But I had my head down the toilet, being sick and very, very poorly. I cried out to God, "Lord, just give me rest. I can't do it anymore." I crawled back into bed. And I grabbed my Bible, expecting to read a really uplifting verse. But God doesn't always work like that. This is the verse I read. Always be joyful. (laughs) Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For that's God's will for you. My reaction was, God, are you having a laugh? Look at me. Be joyful. Well, I find joy in worship. So on went the music, the worship music. Pray, started to pray. And all of a sudden, people kept coming into my head people who I'd seen God heal or reach out to in a miraculous way. A dear friend who'd suffered depression for years and is now healed and living a lovely, fruitful life for Jesus. Close friends' marriage that was struggling on the verge of separation and how they'd rekindled their love. And things were working out. Joss and the miraculous healing he had here in St. Paul's. And all the beautiful babies that we've been blessed with in this church. And as I prayed, I felt an overwhelming peace. Because I was so grateful for God and for all he'd done and I fell asleep and the next morning I woke absolutely fine. I experienced peace. God's peace. So where is God when disaster strikes? He's right there next to you. And not only is he right there next to you he's been before you And he knows you so well, he knows what you need. He will give you a purpose, and he always has a plan. And he's the giver of peace. And I'd like to just finish with the words from a song. We sing it a lot in St. Paul's, but I think it sums up our talk. You go before me, you're there beside me, And if I wander, love will find me, goodness and mercy will always follow, you go before me, my guardian.
0: Why don't we stand? Let's stand because I think God will want to do some things with us.